Did you know that the Our Urban Voices podcast is an outreach ministry of the Heart for Muslims conference? Our vision is to promote love for Muslims and eliminate the fear of Islam. Join us this year on Saturday, November 5th at Trinity Baptist Church in Manhattan, New York. We will be focusing on the power of proximity, how your location, culture, and shared experiences can bring Christ to Muslims. Hear from Muslim ministry practitioners and connect with like-minded Christians. Find all the details at heartformuslims.com. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. In this podcast, we cover everything from churches and church planting efforts, mission and missions organization evangelism, and unreached people groups, emerging movements and initiatives, justice, current events related to faith, and the persecuted church too author interviews, and more. Let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javed. Today I'm joined once again by Pastor Dr. Dwayne Miller, uh, Dwayne Alexander Miller. If you remember, he mentioned that last week uh, that there's somebody else on the YouTube. So just remember that. Um, he is the Anglican pastor, author, and professor. Last week, we talked about Muslim conversion, Muslim conversion to Christianity. Our topic today focuses on how churches can better care for new Muslim background believers. Duane is currently an associate pastor at the Anglican Cathedral of the Redeemer and professor of Old Testament at a local seminary. He received his PhD in divinity with a focus on world Christianity from the University of Edinburgh and has written numerous articles and books on Christian missions and witness to and among Muslims. He is also the founder, co-pastor of Kanesa, an Arabic language Christian fellowship in Madrid, where he lives with his family. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us again, Dwayne. So good to have you back. And uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to be back with you, Dr. Alphonse. All right. So listeners, last week would have already heard this. But before we get started, please uh, tell us very briefly about your family. For any new listeners, I believe family is important. It makes uh, uh, us uh, um, it, it makes us human and uh, connects us with other human beings. So please share a little bit about your family. Well, I live here with my wife, Sharon. We were married in 2003. We have three kids. Uh, David, who's heading off to university to study linguistics. Um, Amelia, uh, who is 15. And uh, Samantha, who is 11. And who's over here playing uh, playing Dr. Mario or Tetris <laughs> or something in the in the next room. That's awesome. So picking up where we left off last time, let's talk about your book. Uh, you wrote a book. I will give them an everlasting name. 
What prompted you to write this book about the church caring for new believers from a Muslim background? Mm -hmm. So the first book that I published um, myself, just as, as a sole author, was um, Living Among the Breakage, Contextual Theology Making and Ex-Muslim Christians. That was basically an, an edited version of my doctoral thesis from Edinburgh. And it's obviously very academic. It's got a lot of case studies. I spent a lot of time with uh, Christians from a Muslim background, trying to understand their life, how they're thinking, what's going on with them. And uh, but, but it's academic. Then the second book I wrote is called Two Stories of Everything, The Competing Meta Narratives of Islam and Christianity. And that's really directed towards Christians and Muslims who are trying to understand the, the other faith um, in a way that is well-educated, but is not necessarily polemical. And then I thought, you know, I've got all this material because I've done a lot of additional travel in parts of Africa and Asia Minor. And, and I felt like, you know, I've really seen, not just from my own personal anecdotes, this is not a book about my own experiences alone, but I've really seen in probably a dozen or so countries what's actually working, you know? How, how can we help these, uh, these new believers to actually grow in their faith? And how do we keep them connected to to the church, to a local uh, community of, of Christian disciples and believers. And so I thought I need to write something short, something easy mm -hmm. to, to read, but something that's not primarily academic. Right. And so that's where that, that's where that came from. That's awesome, man. And I think as uh, uh, pastors, that's one of the things we got to make uh, things applicable. We got to uh, provide some sort of application so people can apply that uh, in everyday life. So Talking about your book, can you share with us some of the specific examples you provide in the book? Uh, don't give everything because people should buy <laughs> the book and read that. But one example that stands out is how to help uh, a, a new Muslim background Christian with finances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so finance is one, is one of the thorniest questions. Many of the countries and the the cultures that Muslim background believers come from, mm -hmm. they have what we call patronage. And the idea is this person is more powerful than I am, and I defend their honor and their their name, but they provide me with things that I need, in this case, money. But that, it can be very unhealthy because it leads to dependence. What happens when that pastor needs to move on to somewhere else or the mission has a change of policy or the church moves or closes. I mean, there, there's all sorts of stuff that can happen. Um, so one of the things that I found from, from just doing research in North Africa was what I thought was really, really intelligent, which was, okay, let's use our funds and let's not tell this person, well, you're on your own. So good luck. Let's not do that. But let's use funds to help this person to get the training they need um, or the resources they need to start their own business. Like, right. and so that's a little piece of very practical advice. And again, that I saw uh, being used in, in North Africa. And I wanted to share that because I think it's a good idea. Yeah, that's, that's great, actually. That's great. So I, I think you may be the first Anglican uh, to come on this show, this podcast. Uh, you wrote an article about the unique perspective the Anglican denomination offers in regards to Muslim ministry, especially aftercare. Can you talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, so uh, Anglicanism, Anglican just means English, it's a Latin word, and it's, it's the original Protestant church that broke off uh, during the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century, 
even though its roots go back to the third century when there were first Christians in England. And uh, so, so it's nothing new or novel or anything like that. Okay. Um, it, one of the things that the reformers did in England was they said, we need to have a, a book of uh, prayer of devotionals that a family can use. Let's not okay. just say the devotionals are for monks and nuns and priests. Let's do something that anyone can have in their home so that they can have a devotional with their kids or with their friends or something like that. That's called the book of common prayer. Common means it is for everyone, not just for the mm -hmm. clergy, common prayer. And one thing I love about the book of common prayer is it has very specific prayers, little intercessions mm -hmm. that you can use for different occasions. And anything from a prayer for rain, a Thanksgiving for uh, the safe birth of a child. And the thing is, a lot of people who come from Islam, that's kind of what they're used to. So when you say to them, brother, yeah. you pray what's on your heart. They don't they, know. They, they don't know. Yeah. But when you give them a prayer, maybe probably in their language, because Anglicanism is all around the world. And this, these books are in all the different languages. And you say, well, here's some prayers that you can use. It, it's a tool. I'm not saying it's better, mm -hmm. but it's different. But that's just like one example of, of a resource that we have in Anglican in the Anglican tradition um, that I think is a blessing for um, uh, for helping to to disciple and to encourage uh, Muslim believers. I've got a lot more examples in the article, but that's just one of them. Yeah, and I, I think that helps with transition. So when the person is uh, transitioning in the when it's the process, because you're not just every, you accepted the Lord and now suddenly you know how it's going to work out. So you got to have those things. So it's, it's, it's a smooth transition. If you give them. Can I give a short example of this? Sure, sure. So this is earlier on when we were in the Middle East. I was a, a brand, brand new to this sort of work. And I was working with a, an older guy who was, let's say, a searcher. He was very interested in the Christian faith. And I ran into him on the road one day um, and or the sidewalk. And I said, oh, hey, let's go ahead and pray. And he said, well, I, I don't have time to go to the church. I said, well, it's nice to pray at a church, but we don't have to go to the church to pray. Let's pray here. And I just said a short prayer in English. I, my Arabic was not that good at that time because I was new. And I said, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you because you love us. We ask you to give us wisdom and to uh, show us the truth. Amen. It was, I just made it up. And he said, okay, so this is the prayer. And he repeated the prayer to me word for word. So, I mean, just, just to communicate, this is like a different concept there. mindset said, it's well, very different you, mindset you that's how you were, yeah, you were raised so that's how you raised. you know this is how prayer is it, it takes time to figure out oh you can actually talk it's, it's a mm -hmm. talking is so different obviously this will change depending on the region and the context but what are some of the main obstacles you have found that churches have in supporting the needs of new muslim background believers uh, depending on the region and context they are coming from? So this answer is not a very happy answer, but oftentimes one of the biggest difficulties is actually some of the church members themselves. Hmm. Uh, so a lot of them tend to be very suspicious. And, and, and actually it makes sense if you're like in, in a country with the Sharia background, it actually makes sense to be suspicious. I'm not saying it's good, but I get it. Um, but some people say, well, Muslims cannot really convert or they're a spy. You know, you got God, God is in charge of these things. You know, your job is to welcome them in the name of Jesus Christ and, and do the best you can. Yeah. Um, so oftentimes it's, it's the actual members of the church themselves. 
And another thing is that um, I think, and this is for an American or European context, especially, it, it's we have a different vision of community. Right. You know, a lot of people, they spend their, I don't know, 80, 90 minutes on Sunday at, at the local church, and they think, okay, well, I had my time of Christian community. But uh, you go to other countries, actually, it's, it's a very weird way of looking at community. I'm Americans are just strange people. I'm American, I can say that. <laughs> um, but, but that's a really weird way of looking at community. Um, so a lot of people say, oh, this is the body of Christ. This is the people of God, you know, all these great biblical phrases. And, and we are, we, are, we have community in one faith and one baptism and one spirit. Oh, yeah, and we meet once a week for 90 minutes. So, so you need to have something else. You need to have times of fellowship. You need, need to, even if it's not in person, call people, talk to people, hang out with people, you know, especially the believers who came from this home. A lot of these people, when they come to Christ, they're, they're basically giving up their family, mm-hmm. you know, so remember that you, you need mm-hmm. to be their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So going off uh, of that, you, you co-pastor an Arabic speaking church in Spain. What are some of the lessons uh, you have personally learned from their experiences? So here I'm, okay, so this, this church was founded, or this fellowship was founded by three different ministers or missionaries, one Assemblies of God, myself an Anglican, and a Methodist. So just to see how God has a great sense of humor, that's, that's how he made this happen. Um, one of the things that we've seen that's been hard for us to learn, but we have learned it over the last four years, because that's how long we've had Kanisa, the, the fellowship, is uh, it's kind of like a theology of a stoplight, you know, because a lot of the people who come from a Muslim background, we found that we only have them for a limited period of time. If they're asking for refugee status, you know, any day the government can say, okay, well, you have to move to another city because that's where we have a place for you to live. Mm-hmm. Or there was a young guy that I was discipling and I went away for a week and came back and he had been deported. Uh, you know, you, you just have a really rough time. So um, instead of being upset about it, we, we had to realize, you know, we have these people probably for a limited period of time, right. probably not for more than a year. So let's go ahead and pour into them for that time as best we can. So that's been very challenging because it's very different than planting, say, a Spanish language church in Spain or an English language or a Spanish language church in, in New Jersey, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's quite different. But that's one thing that we've had to we've had to really learn. Yeah. So I asked you this question earlier and actually in the uh, previous episode, but it's important to uh, just, you know, get this, um, uh, this, this answer again for the audience, especially if somebody is joining us for the first time. Uh, we have been talking a lot on the podcast about the how of Muslim ministries, such as the methodology, et cetera. But we also need to be talking about the why of Muslim ministry, particularly aftercare for Muslim background believers. Obviously, in the United States, many churches will not have many or any Muslims in their areas, but we do focus on the urban context. This is our context, so we focus on urban uh, uh, fellowships, urban uh, ministries. Uh, What message from scriptures do you think should inspire Christians and churches, especially when caring for Muslim background believers? Why should churches and pastors care? Well, uh, as I mentioned the previous time, God, God is doing a new thing. We're seeing unprecedented numbers of, of Muslims and people from a Muslim background coming to Christ. So let's try to be part of, mm-hmm. of what God is doing in the world. 
um, I would say in terms of uh, finding people that you can that you can form friendships with, um, you know, go to a local university, an international huh. university that's going to have uh, students from the Muslim world. Yeah. Go find a place that is doing English as a second language or English mm-hmm. as a foreign language. You're going to have some people who come from the Muslim world there. Yeah. Go ahead and find uh, someone who is doing refugee or asylee services. You're going to find some some Muslims there. So if if, if you if you look for people, uh, I mean, unless you're like in some little tiny village in the middle of Oklahoma, maybe you're not going to find Muslims. But if you take the initiative, you, you can. You're going to find um, Muslims and just form a friendship with them. Share your life with mm. them. Yeah, I was also thinking about even um, if you are isolated and you don't have any physically have no contact with Muslims, uh, today, uh, you know, Zoom is just Zooming, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing with the online presence, there's all kind of, uh, uh, you know, social media outlets. So I think there are, I was also, as you were talking uh, about student ministry and, uh, uh, you know, ESL services, these services are uh, for last two years, almost all of these services went online. And mm-hmm. uh, what happened because of those online services, volunteers were also volunteering through their, you know, from their home. So I'm, I'm also thinking, yes, definitely, you know, uh, contact is important. I, I totally support that. But if there is nobody around, then I think in last two years have changed the culture a bit. And now you can do this, what we're doing right now, you're sitting in Spain, I'm here in the mm-hmm. US, but we are having this beautiful conversation around the same uh, concept. As we, close, uh, as we close out, is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation? Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for your interest. Um, I, when I was getting interested and in trying to explore the concept of a mission and witness to, to Muslims, now, one of the things that I learned is something like 95% of all Christian missions money spent by Americans mm-hmm. goes to helping other Christians. Now, that's not bad, helping other Christians, but it seems like 95% mm-hmm. going to helping other Christians. So I wonder who, who, who is actually doing the Great Commission in terms of making disciples of all the nations. You know, all the nations there, that phrase in Matthew 28 mm-hmm. is a fulfillment of Genesis 12. When God says to Abram, get up, leave the land that I've given. This is me, the Old Testament a professor. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't it. resist it. Um, you know, and I will make you through you and through your seed. I will bless all the nations of the earth. So, you know, praise be to God, all of the nations of the mm-hmm. earth. And uh, after Christianity, most of those nations are the plurality are, are Muslim nations mm-hmm. and, and also Hindu and, and Buddhist. Those are the other three big ones right there. Um, so let's let's be part of that. Let's be part of fulfilling that ancient ancient promise that God made to uh, to to Abram. Yeah, right there. You gave us the the challenge of the sermon, right? I love it. That's good, brother. Amen. That's good. Uh, so, Duane, if listeners wants to get in touch with you or find your book, what are the easiest ways? Mm-hmm. So you can buy all of my books on on Amazon.com. It's the easiest way. The easiest way to do it. Um, you can contact me through my blog, duanemiller.wordpress.com. Duane is D-U-A-N-E. Uh, and also contact me through YouTube. If you go to my YouTube page, Duane Miller Islam, I'll pop up on there. 
Uh, as I said, there's another Dwayne Miller, who's a pastor who is uh, more famous than me because he was miraculously healed of a thing. He couldn't talk. And in the middle of a sermon, his voice was restored. I mean, I, oh, I don't man. even want to try to compare with that. So <laughs> God bless the other pastor, Dwayne Miller out there. Yeah, it's awesome, brother. Great. Our listeners can uh, find all of that on our podcast website, oururbanvoices.com. It's over. We will, we will always post uh, um, contact information and all this detail there too. As for the last thing, because we talk about heavy topics, I'd like to um, ask you to tell a joke to lighten the mood. This one is not about Islam like, like the other one was. Okay. <laughs> why do the French why do the French eat snails? Why? Because they don't like fast food. Oh, it's a dad joke. I love yeah. this one. You see, dads love dad's joke. This one, oh, I'm gonna teach that. I'm gonna tell that to my son. He loves collecting uh, dad jokes, and then he tells everybody. Mm-hmm. So, Good. thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Dwayne Alexander Miller, professor and pastor. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not uh, do this without you. If you learned something today, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at uh, oururbanvoices.com. But as uh, I request that, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in next week for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Please check back for new episodes every week.